Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week. My name is Jack Collins and I will be your host then. Joining me is the Rank God, Mr. Sam Ty. How you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Can't complain. And of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How's it going? Good, mate. I'm actually a bit chilly. The uh, the hot weather has subsided, hasn't it? We've got dark cloud over, over Surrey right now. It's yeah, almost put a sweatshirt on this morning, but didn't. Um, I actually that quite would have been a bit much, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying actually just being a little bit cold. I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'll be perfectly honest with you. He and me are not pals. Uh, I'll put it that way. We uh, we we yeah. don't necessarily see eye to eye. Although I'm glad that you know the sun stayed out for the weekend and everyone seemed to enjoy themselves. And then you got, know, to, it got to Monday and cooled down. I this is back. what I want: cool weeks, warm weekends. that's yeah, that's, 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 that's the dream. That is actually think, true. That's do you think true. we're ever going to start another podcast ever again without a bit of preamble on the weather? No, no, it's now uh, it's now par for the course, as they say. Um, People are interested. Um, They'll be like, oh, look, they've stopped talking about the weather now. It's not a heat wave. Nope, we haven't. We're now, <laughs> we're uh, still the weather is a crucial element of the Ranks FC preamble, isn't it? Yep. Um, and the nicest thing about being a bit cooler is I can have a cup of tea again now while I'm having this podcast. Well, I just made a cup of tea and made, you know, poured, poured the hot water into the, with the tea bag and opened the fridge to find that there was no milk. Um, so I'm having a cup of black tea, which is yeah, not I mean, ideal, I would do really. The, yeah, it's, it just doesn't taste that different, to be honest. No, one of my friend's dads used to have a black tea with lemon and mm. sugar in it. Um, which I suppose mm. is. Like they do that in like Germany or something. Like, he was he was he, he was Armenian, so mm. um, yeah, that's I think comes from from well, I think he grew up in Iran, so uh, that was part of that the heritage and upbringing he came. But yeah, um, mm. it's not too bad, so I can't complain too much. Although I was <laughs> devastated to open the fridge and not find. Anything. It is annoying, isn't it? Yeah, that is a big blow. Anything else on the agenda we should talk about that isn't about football? Uh, Whether so. cups of oh. tea could we be any more English right now? No, I don't. I don't really think so. It's Barry's tea, though, so it's proper stuff, not uh, not PG <laughs> tips or any the nonsense you get over here. Um, just before we start, <laughs> I'm going to things we love. Uh, I do have a quick shout. Out. I got a really lovely message. We got a really lovely message on Twitter um, from Samuel, who said, "You guys don't know the amount of love we have for you here in Nigeria. My family and friends and colleagues all listen to Ranks FC. Keep up the good work, especially Mr. Rank God Sam Tai." Um, so he asked and he said. We'll give him a shout out on today's pod. Samuel from Nigeria. So shouts out to Samuel and everyone listening in Nigeria. I thought that was a, a really lovely message to receive. One of the one of the real heartwarmers. So shouts out to the Nigerian rank squad. Uh, great, great Absolutely. message to receive this week. Uh, we are going to be talking about transfers and the best players still on the market in this window. And I'm excited to get into it. But before we do that, I think we should probably start things off with things we love. And Sam, when you kick us off this week. Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm going to expand on something that we sort of touched on on our Monday postbox for our patrons. And it's PSG's business. We were talking about Nordi Mukiele on Monday, but I think we can expand this into the entire group now. You just take a look at this, the players that PSG have signed this summer. Vitinha, who was playing in Portugal with Porto. Hugo Ekatike, first French recruit 
as a player since Mbappe, so five years ago or so, and Nordi Mukiele now of RB Leipzig. Just not the kind of player that you would say is of the level of reputation in the game that you would kind of expect of a PSG signing. And to be honest with you, you can say that for all three of them. That's not saying that they're bad players at all. They're really good players. They're just not very PSG signings or they go against the grain that we've seen over the last three or four years. And it's just signaling smarter business, a change in direction. And I think with each of these three players, you can say that they're probably not the sort of player that in your, in your head, ahead of the window, you would have said, yeah, PSG, right, who should they sign? Mm. Vitinha, Ekatike, and Mukiele. Never in a million years would you have said that those were the players that in your head PSG are targeting. But you look at each one and they all seem to solve a certain problem that PSG have had. Vitinha gives you incredible levels of control in midfield. And when when it's when it's mattered the most for PSG on the big stage, sometimes they've allowed games to slip away from them in terms of midfield control. Vitinha is an attempt to change that. Ekatike is a focal point target man. He's not just a target man. He's actually very, very good at lots of things, but he's got a big body and he can take the balls in the channels or to feet or to chest and he can be a relief point. Again, when have we seen PSG really badly in need of a focal point striker over the last few years? Every time every time the chips are down, they need someone like that. And Obviously, they went for Skamaka, didn't work out. So they went, okay, no, we'll take Ekatike instead. And Mukiele is uh, basically a perfect right centre-back. And they're looking to switch formation into a back three, release Hakimi and Nuno Menges as wing-backs. And Mukiele is the perfect player to play as the right centre-back, to sweep that channel behind Hakimi. He's basically going to do what Milan Skriniar did for Inter Milan and Hakimi. And again, they tried to buy Skriniar and seemingly have been priced out. So they've gone, OK, well, we're not going to overpay. We'll find a different player who's perfect in terms of a tactical fit. This is very, very smart stuff. Very forthright stuff and just well thought through from PSG. And, you know, trying not to get too carried away, but... There's no coincidence that the season or the summer that they bring in, Luis Campos is the sporting director, a head of football, the advisor, whatever he is. All of a sudden, the business looks different, but it looks smart. Yeah, I think this is it, isn't it? It's smart business. And and it's kind of, I've seen kind of various ways of people discussing this on Twitter and, and, and beyond. And one of them was like, it's like PSG are becoming a serious football club. And and I suppose that, you know, it's, <laughs> there's, there's two ways of looking at that. Look, PSG are perennial you know, French champions. I think they've lost two of the last ten um, in the in the league. So domestically, they are so dominant. But it's very clear that that European success and that European Cup or Champions League is what they want to kind of announce themselves at the top table of European football as a kind of permanent mainstay. And I think that you know, there, there's been this kind of overspend on or not overspend because you have the money to do it but the spend on lightning talents and and the kind of headline grabbers as you say which hasn't worked out quite as they would have wanted it to and we've seen them now pick up a a domestic manager who's done well one of the only managers to to beat them to that league title in the last twice by the way twice because he he built Lille side as well and then he built um he built the monaco side um lewis campos he has masterminded the two squads no, in the no, last no, I, ten years. I, I was talking about Galtier as opposed to um, as opposed to Campos. Um, oh, but and I'm talking about yeah. But, I mean... yes. <laughs> but what they've done is they've they've looked at those things and they've gone right. Okay, here's a man who knew how to build a side. They've started to recruit 
very, very smartly, Vitinha in particular, I mean, it's well documented how hot we are on Vitinha as a player and how much we like him. Um, but you look at these signings and you think, okay, right, they're building a core of, of players that make sense. They are squad building. They are not playing fancy football manager with unlimited funds. And, you know, I think we've seen with Manchester City over so many years, yes, there's lots of money in that camp, but the squad has been built very, very well. Over over the last sort of five six years, to you know, to in order to become uh, one of these teams that consistently wins things and consistently is the sharp end of knockout tournaments, this is a well built squad. PSG now feel like they are transitioning into that period where they will become this well built squad. This what you know, a, a squad that has the capacity to win games in a, num- a variety of num- uh, a variety of different ways. And, and that's huge. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this pans out. It might not be the star names, but we saw the fans kick back against some of that last season and be like, you know, this is this is not what we're after. It's not working. We would like to see players willing to, you know, I think there's a phrase that they use at Marseille in particular, but lots of different places that say they want to see them sweat through the shirt. Um, and I don't think PSG were built for that, but I'm, I'm interested to see how, you know, the players buy into this project now who have a little bit more to prove, perhaps. Um, and, and that makes it for, for very interesting viewing, I think, at PSG this season. Mm-hmm. Luis Campos, as we say, is a master of this. So um, his, his, thumb, his thumbprints are all over this, aren't they? Yeah, I think we're a long way from uh, Maura Icardi and Julian Draxler as headline signings here. This is a very different feel and it feels very smart. Yeah, you were talking about Galtier there, the man who beat them to the title um, with Lille. And I was talking about Campos, who obviously built the Monaco team that beat them to the title five, six years ago. You know, the one with Bernardo Silva and Tom Lamar and those guys. And then he also then went to Lille and and built that team too, basically. Luis Campos is the only one that's managed to get the better of PSG in the last 10 years, and now they've got him. So presumably that makes them unstoppable. Yes, I will. we will see. We will see. All right, DJ, over to you. Yeah, well, it's um, FPL time, really. It's everyone starting to build their teams. Obviously, Gianni was on here a couple of weeks ago with you two, um, and I've been looking at my team a bit closer now. The, the deadline for your fantasy teams for game week one it's the 5th of August. Don't forget the season does begin on a Friday in England. There's a Friday night game between Arsenal and Palace. And um, yeah, so the deadline isn't too far away now. And what I love is that there are players coming into view that I really didn't think I would be considering at this point. Like Anthony Martial. I'm seriously considering <laughs> Here we go. Kool-Aid. Anthony Martial. He's £7 million. And I'm like, he's going to play the first game of the season against Brighton and he's scoring basically in every game he's playing. Like, he's Man United's number nine and they look quite good. So, like, he's in, he's in my thinking. Same with Jaden Sancho, 7.5 million. Didn't think I would be saying that, but Jaden Sancho looks really good. So, they're interesting. Leon Bailey. I didn't even think he'd still be at Aston Villa, let alone going into my <laughs> fantasy team for the first game of the season. He's looking really good. Get this. Harry Kane might actually have a good August. No, he's nah, going to catch. Too, sorry, nah. Dan, sorry, Dean. You've no. gone one, two. You've taken it one step too far. <laughs> but there's no need. There's no need to lose it. Keep, it's keep, stay so on them straight and narrow, mate. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Tottenham obviously beat Glasgow Rangers at the weekend two one, and Kane got both goals. And speak to people that have, have been involved with Tottenham in pre-season. They're like, is looking like really, really sharp. Because I was thinking I'll go Son instead. Son's a million more in fantasy this season than Kane. Um, And the feeling is, you know, you would automatically probably go to Son on the back of what he did last season. But in retrospect, like 
Son probably won't do that again. And Kane probably won't have as bad a season in terms of output as he had last season. So you might want to flip it. Just consider Harry Kane. Southampton, first game of the season for Tottenham. That throws a spanner into the works of my thinking. Jack Grealish I've got seven I've got million. Super, I've got Super Jack in there. I my I started with him last season and came to regret it, but this season I've got a feeling. Massive season for him. And, you know, just that first first look that we got, uh, Man City beating Bayern Munich 1-0, and the Grealish-Holland potential combination play here is something that's cooking. And also the fact that Holland came out and was like, me and Jack have a vibe. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminds me, like when Grealish comes on for England and he looks to zip those balls into to Kane. Remember he scored that diving header in the Euros and it was one that Grealish just fizzed across the box. Like Grealish hasn't had anyone to do that with at Man City. He hasn't had that obvious person to f- to put chances across to. And he, and he wants that. Um, the fact he can go on both feet too, Jack, means he's going to be an option. He's got to have a big season. He's had his settling period. So that's interesting. Haven't got him on my team at the moment. And then on the flip, like Chelsea Sounds like players. you might have him soon though, mate. I might, I might. Chelsea players I'm shying away from completely. Like, they had such a bad pre-season. It's not looking good. Look, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, Kula Bali and, and Raheem Sterling still not um, had time to bed into that team. They've barely had any minutes yet, but and that will happen. They got another friendly in Udinese, I think, on Friday. Um, at the moment, yep. like Chelsea, there was some real histor- hysteria about that game. The biggest game of Thomas Tuchel's career. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But yes, the Chelsea have still got Reese James, but you're like, well, this, this does not look like a, a strong team to be starting the season with. And yeah, they got Everton away first, but they got a couple of tough games after that. So Chelsea, yeah, keeping an eye on them. And then there's people like Perisic at Tottenham, who I thought 5.5, yeah, he'll be in my team. But I'm not even sure he's going to start the season at this point. So one to keep an eye on there. It's the Community Shield this weekend, which is big for FPL especially, because it gives you well, the best gauge you can get of of what Man City and Liverpool are going to start the season like. Um, so obviously we have a reasonable idea in our heads, but it might be that some players aren't quite up to speed yet and that other players might begin those first one or two games. So Community Shield at the weekend, do not miss that. It's it's a hit and miss game. Sometimes it's a belter, sometimes it's Dulles Dishwater, but um, still interesting just to see the starting lineups alone. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's big moments. What what is you? Have you changed your FPL team name, Dean? Or are you still the Walton Rifles? I've been Walton Rifles um, since I moved from Islington, which point I was Islington Rifles. <laughs> I've <laughs> always story. just been Rifle Rifles, <laughs> and wherever I'm from, because that's just that's just how this runs. Yeah, I, I finally changed my team. I've been Lord of the Wings for you know an incredible amount of time. But uh, yeah. with Fulham signing Joao Paulinho, I decided that I was going to call it just pulling your leg. Um, I like so it. I'm, like I'm, that. I'm pretty pleased with I've never gone down that fantasy route of like coming up with a pun. Um, it feels like it should be in my wheelhouse, really. It should definitely be in your wheelhouse. So well done for sticking to your brand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, the other thing about fantasy that's really interesting, obviously, is these preseason games. Um, and as Sam mentioned at the top uh, over on our Patreon, we have two extra episodes a week, the second of which focuses pretty heavily on preseason and the kind of nuances of teams and, and how they're kind of setting up and, and what we're learning from them. So if you're interested in these things and what come might and join be more us. interesting, come and join us. It's lots of fun and a great community as well over there on the Patreon. The link is in the description as ever i'm going to finish off this week with 
the fact that the championship comes back this weekend, lads. I'm really excited. Now, obviously, last year, the championship had a personal interest as Fulham were in it and winning it. Um, but also, I think that, you know, no matter who's in it, the championship is usually the most exciting division on earth. And and I mean that in a sense that it really is a anyone can beat anyone league. And the whole thing about every time we come to this per- part of the season, we start to look at the one to 24s. People start to work, try and work out who's going to be promoted. There's always a wild card. There's always a team that comes out of nowhere, but there's some, there's such a kind of plethora of interesting teams in the championship this season. You're looking at Middlesbrough under Chris Wilder, Norwich coming back down, not losing too many players. That Sheffield United side that obviously got to the playoffs last year. Watford under Rob Edwards. You're looking at and thinking, okay, very interesting. I feel like West Brom might well struggle under Steam Bruce. Burnley have Vincent Company in charge and have a whole host of new players in there. Quite a lot of them from Manchester City stock. Coventry with a kind of surprise package of last season. Luton did really well and were in those playoffs as well. Don't think anyone was expecting that. I've got eyes on QPR under Michael Beale, who was Steven Gerrard's second in command at Rangers and then at Aston Villa, who's taking a management role for the first time here. They've made some interesting signings as well. There's loads going on and Hull have this whole project kind of out of nowhere. So there's absolutely like tons kicking around in the championship. And I'm really excited for this to kick off and see how this season plays out. Um, If you do want to listen to more on the championship, we'd highly recommend our friends over at Not The Top 20 do a full championship prediction. In fact, they do one for League One and League Two as well. But in particular, the championship one is always one of the episodes. You know when you have like episodes in a year you're looking out for? When they're not the top 20 championship 5 by 5 exactly. But they're yeah, not the top yeah. 20 season predictions for the championship is one of my favorite episodes of the entire year. They work from 24 all the way to 1. And I, you know, as someone who has had horses in this race for a long time, that as you go up the table and you're like, "Ooh, we're not 6th, we're not 5th, not 4th." <laughs> like, it's like the best thing ever. Like it's really, really exciting, but just in general, the most well-researched, brilliant podcasters yep. on the championship and below um, Ali and George on not the top 20. So would highly recommend listening to their championship predictions if you want a more in-depth introduction to what's going on in the championship this season. But just a heads up that it starts this weekend and I am incredibly excited about it. I'm just glad for on in it. Yeah, <laughs> it starts on Friday night with Burnley, doesn't it? Companies Burnley. Um, mm. So off, off, off to a good start. Off with a bang. Um, I listened to the the one to twenty fours last night actually uh, from from the not the top twenty guys. The most interesting part of the podcast, and this is saying something because the whole thing is interesting. They they uh, they revealed that actually we've been calling him Michael Beale for how long? But he wants to be referred to as Mick. That Mick was Beale. the. Mick Beale. Mick Beale like sounds, it, I was just about character. to say, he sounds like an EastEnders character. <laughs> Very much so. You Apparently can't be called to be referred to as Mick. What about Mickey? It's not up to me. Okay, fair enough. I um, reckon <laughs> there just comes a point in life when Michael just becomes a Mick. I think it's like, I don't know, I don't know how old Michael age, Beale is. Age 40. Mick, Mick, is Mickey Beale 40, is he? Um, yeah. Mickey Beale sounds like an EastEnders character as well, so it doesn't really matter whether you go with Mick or Mickey. I had Mikey as a friend who might well be listening to this, to be fair, um, growing up, one of my best friends growing up. Um, and he was Mikey to separate his dad from his dad, who was Michael. 
Um, and that's that's kind of the way of it. But that's not as common anymore, I don't think, Mikey, especially once you break out of the sort of teens. But that mm. was always his name. And it did, it feels a bit weird to call him anything else. Okay. Surely he'd just be called Junior. Yeah, oh, I yeah, quite like... like Junior as a thing, right? Like Junior is, is a fun name. That's the sort of thing you all do. Yeah, what, call my son Jack and yes. just call him Junior. Yes. Uh, I could have called my son Joaquin. You know this already. It's, um, <laughs> it's pretty well documented around these parts. Joaquin Pauletta Collins, yeah. Um, one of one of one of those players. He, he's, he's kind of destined to succeed. Who was that player that a couple of years back we had? Um, Ronaldo Vieira. There's loads of them, isn't there? There was Aymar Raquelme or Raquelme Aymar <laughs> in the um, kicking around in the lower in the young Brazilian teams of the past. So that was quite exciting as well. Um, right after the break, we are going to be talking at transfers and the best players still on the market. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our main ranking, which you two are doing in tandem today. These are among my favourites. So Sam, I'm going to let you lay it up and we'll get on with it. Yeah, Dean and I were were rolling around some ideas for this one and we were trying to work out a way of talking about the transfer market just one last time before we finally kick into season preview mode next week ahead of the return of the Premier League and Liga and a few others as well. The Bundesliga comes back there too, the Portuguese League as well. We get Spain and Italy a little bit later on. But in the meantime, we've got one last opportunity to talk about the transfer market. And we just started rolling around the best players that were still available for transfer, conceivably available for transfer, you know, can be got. If you bid enough, they would be able to leave. And Dean and I have created five categories and we've picked a player for each category. Hopefully there's not too much crossover. But the first category is literally the best player still conceivably on the market. (laughs) I told Dean explicitly that he was not allowed to mention Declan Rice in this category. So I (laughs) really do hope... It's banned. He's not allowed to say those words. So hopefully he has listened to me, but I will kick off. And I think the answer is kind of obvious and it is still Frankie de Jong, who's had just another really weird week in his life. He's ended up carting out to play for Barcelona on a preseason tour that he may well have thought that he wasn't going to be on. He ends up playing centre-back and then he's called into a meeting reportedly with Xavi and told to buckle down, work hard to be part of the project, but also please take a 50% pay cut. Not the greatest motivating tactic of all time, um, but an interesting one nonetheless. There are lots of lots of different players here that are still conceivably gettable. You've got Saul, you've got Carlos Soler, you've got Memphis Depay at Barcelona too, Hakim Ziyech. But I think the only player in this list who is conceivably world-class or has potential for world-class is Frankie. I think he's the best player still there. I mean, Mm. my only question, I suppose, I don't doubt that, is is he actually gettable? Because... He seems to be not gettable. In that he doesn't want to go anywhere. And he's like, yeah. no, nah, I'm just going to stay here and fight for my place. Thanks very much. I'll take the pay cut. I want to be part of the project. That doesn't feel gettable to me. That mm. feels that feels like someone who very much is sticking around at Barcelona. If he's taking a pay cut to stay, then he's staying. <laughs> like that, so, that's... so we don't so I don't know if he's going to take the pay cut, but also like he there's a price on his head because Barcelona would would use the cash just because he doesn't want to join Man United reportedly doesn't mean he's not gettable for somebody else like if a Champions League club really really put the move on him would that change things mm. it's an interesting one it's an interesting mm. one I mean Dean is, is is there any chance he leaves Barcelona yeah of course yeah I mean you could definitely leave Barcelona um 
you know, if he's not in the plans and haven't been told to take a 50% wage, wage cut and they currently owe him 17 million euros, um, you're not going to particularly feel valued. I mean, you, I mean... This is you a can't... hangover from the Bartomeu era, right? So, like, you know, the players, whilst there yeah. is this kind of like comedy value of players coming in while they owe him loads of money, um, it's totally there different. There's a point, yeah, it's totally different. And they will all be on far lower wages than Frankie because this is no longer the, yeah. it sounds mad to say it, it's not the era of expenditure because yeah. having what they've excelled out this window does feel like the wages are far more sensible and that this is a much more structured system now under Laporta as opposed to the kind of excesses of the Bartomeu days yeah I definitely that's definitely part of it too and um, Man United wouldn't still be chasing this player if they didn't think he was gettable that's that's the other thing to take into account here Man United you know it might they'll find have to find some way around this eventually because if they're that desperate for the player they're going to have to get smart I don't know can they dress it up as a loan initially could they find a way to um help pay back some of those wages and, and just tag it onto their fee because they're that desperate for them. Who knows? Like Man United might genuinely consider those things because they've been pretty honest about the fact that they're not just going to sign any player for this midfield hole that they've got. It has to be someone of a certain calibre. And if Frankie de Jong's where you've set the bar, there aren't many backup options that you consider that are going to do that same job at that same level. And, and Man United obviously do need to to significantly um, raise their level in that area of the field. So it's an interesting one. I haven't gone for him, but I have gone for his Barca teammate as the best player that I think is available on the market right now. The best footballer, I think, is Memphis Depay, and I think he is very, very gettable. Yes, he's a bit of a loose cannon, but in pure (laughs) football terms, Memphis Depay is absolutely unreal. He's unreal. He's that loose a cannon. He is a loose cannon in the sense of his inconsistencies oh okay right yeah, yeah i don't i don't mean he's getting sent off i just mean like he can, he gets a strop or he just doesn't perform at the level you know he's capable of all right so look his, his control his footwork his trickery his explosiveness the type of goals he can score the confidence he has putting the right setup this player could and should be absolutely brilliant um and if you look at where he's been like his his journey through the years obviously He's been in Holland with PSV and then moves to England with Man United. He goes to France with Lyon. Now he's in Spain with Barcelona. I want to see this player in Italy. That's where I think he needs to land to to shine. Um, I think he'd be great there. Um, you get a bit more time than you do in England or Spain. You can you can be that luxury player a little bit more than you can be. Look, don't be wrong. Like some of the things he's done in a Barcelona shirt are outrageous. Like some of the ways we've seen him pull the ball down out of the air and then spray a pass across the other side of the pitch or go for a, a ridiculous bicycle kick or whatever. But Jack, I want you to fantasize for a minute about where Memphis Depay would best fit in Italy. I mean, this is one of your favorite games, finding players <laughs> of this type of home. He has been linked with Juventus. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Memphis, where, where's the fit? Yes, I mean, Sam said this before that Juve feels like a really good spot for Memphis because he'd be able to sort of drift around the front three um, providing kind of cover and, you know, a real talent across all three positions. Um, and if they decided they were going to drop into a 4-2-3-1, which looks slightly unlikely at this point, gives them that, you know, the place to play as a 10 as well. So I like it a lot at Juve. Um, I, I, feel, I still feel like Napoli need bodies. 
Um, I think they're, and I think Milan do too. I think he would do really well at both, although there is a slight glut of forwards at Milan. So he might not be able to play quite mm. where he, he wants. So Napoli for me, um, it, usually the answer is Napoli, isn't it? But they lost yeah, Insigne, yeah. they've lost Mertens, um, and they they have some they have picked up a few players, but it does feel like they've gone backwards from where they were last year. Um, he would have been great, you know, where where we where we talked about Dybala fitting at Roma, Memphis would have I think had a field mm. day playing in those two behind Tammy Abraham. Um, but I think there's a space for him at Napoli if he if he did want to go to Italy. Um, although I do think he would be excellent at Juventus as well, but more as a kind of rotation piece. I think he slots into Napoli's first team and becomes an instant. He starts every game when he's fit. I don't know quite if he's that for Juve. I don't. I think he. I think he probably is that 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 starter for Juve. He is ahead that of good? Who? I've got. I've got. I know. Just put him in. Like they. I mean, it's not ahead of who. It's like they've lost Ibala. Um. So instead of in place of him, basically, mm. um, you're playing him off off Larvich. Also, this morning, I mean, we'll 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 see exactly how accurate these rumors are. But this morning on Tuesday morning, it looks like Pogba's hurt his knee. And it's going to be yeah, out for two months night, and yeah. it's going to Shock. miss the start of the season. Now, this is obviously not how sane clubs do business, but they were crying out for a creative presence, a bit of attitude, a bit of a game changing shift that in that in that way. Um, and they bought it in Pogba. And now he's potentially not going to be there for the for the opening salvo of the season. Um you know, don't be reckless in the market, but there was room for Memphis already in your team, 100%. Now the need for someone who can shoulder the burden, who can show a bit of attitude and, and, and be that spark is has has re-increased. And I wonder if maybe this is a this is a catalyst for them. It seems like Memphis is available for about 20 million euros. That's that's mm. the suggestion. That's not very much money for an excellent player. That's I think it, in terms it? of I think in terms of value for money, Memphis is definitely the best player on the market. Um I do wonder if Serge Gnabry is actually on the market and I would maybe have put him in here. I think he might, if he is on the market, I think he might be as good, as good as, as Memphis, if not a little bit better. Um, And if he's on the market, then I would maybe have had him in this conversation. But I think for what you're getting for the fee that is kind of required here, Memphis is probably the best value player on the market, which I think is an interesting thing. Let's move on to, I mean, this kind of, if we can kind of wrap this in, I mean, the next category is best forward and Memphis mm. does actually qualify as a forward if, if you want him to. But in the interest of variety, we can talk about some yeah, other names. Please don't pick the same. <laughs> I've picked <laughs> Memphis Depart. No, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've picked, um, I've picked Alexander Isak. Um, I think he's absolutely brilliant, but no one's really gone anywhere near him so far this summer. And to be honest with you, I'm actually not that surprised because he had such a dry run in front of goal at the last season. He only scored six uh, six goals last season in the league, which isn't really good enough for a top level forward. Of course, well, you know his value. Alexander Isak is not just a goal scorer. He's really polished link-up play, which is a highly coveted uh, trait in the modern game. He's got a really nice speed and strength combo. He can carry the ball. It's just the goal scoring that fell off. Now he's a young forward. Okay, that's fine. But Real Sociedad, well, they won't be concerned by that. If you're a buying club and you ask how much is Isak and you get quoted 50, 60 million, it's very hard to convince yourself that you can really part with that kind of sum of money for a player who did only score six last season. So I am not that surprised that his stock has dipped. But stepping away from the statistics and the kind of barren run again and just just looking at him as an overall player, I think he might be the best 
left on the market in terms of the overall skill set because he's still an excellent player who just hit a bit of a dry run. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because, I mean, we had this conversation when, when Tottenham signed Richarlison and I said, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of money for someone who scored, I think it was six and seven non-penalty goals in the last two seasons. Um, mm. You know, it's, it, it's not great statistically, but the fit was nice as, as we kind of got to with that discussion. Um Whereas, you know, Isaac, yes, he had a dry spell last year, but in terms of his profile, he fits, he ticks all the boxes. Uh, he is a complete modern forward. He can get that, he can run the channels, he can hold the ball up, he can score goals. Last season aside, apparently. Um, you know, he, he does, <laughs> you know, profile as this complete forward. And that's why he's valued so highly. And we've seen what he can do in, in numerous seasons before this. So it's a funny one because he has the kind of potential for his stock to go right back up again next season. And people will be going, oh, maybe we should have just paid that 50, 60 million because now if he does have a good season, if he does notch 25 in all comps, then we're talking about a player who's probably worth 70, 80. Um, and, yeah. and you've kind of, that price has gone up. Then again, that's 20 million for proof that it wasn't just a barren spell. It's some clubs will see that as, as a sensible risk to take. Yeah, definitely. I have gone in this category for Jonathan David, though. Mm. Um, and because he's very gettable, you know. And at the moment, the feeling around Lille, if, you know, Lille have already, well, they've had a bit of a turnover, haven't they? And we've seen players like Sven Botman leave and um, Renato Sanchez is, is likely to leave soon. Jonathan David and Timothy Weir, one of them's going to go. I don't think they'll both go, but one of them will go. And I'm, I'm very, very surprised no one has bid for this guy yet. He's 22 years old, got 19 goals last season. And he just feels like as close as you can get to a guarantee of a player that is going to be successful as a goal scorer in pretty much any league across Europe. Like the style of his finishing and how quick and direct he can be should mean that he fits in with most teams. He's being linked with Man United at the moment. And obviously, like there's the whole Cristiano Ronaldo uh, conundrum that's being figured out right now at Carrington, literally as we speak. Um, Ronaldo's rocked up at, at United's training ground and Sir Alex Ferguson's followed him in. And um, look, Ronaldo <laughs> could have been con considered the best forward on the market right now. He he probably is like the most all-round forward right now, but there's only a couple of clubs that, that could typically land Ronaldo. Um, and he'll try his best to get to one of those two clubs. But um, if United were to look for a nine... This kind of player would be perfect to finish off some the, the way that United are playing at the moment and the the fast attacking moves and the, the style of like Sancho and stuff and what they're looking for and the guy that they they play with. It's kind of what Martial is, but I think like Jonathan David could be a better version um, of Martial right now. I mean, his price is going to be about 42, 43 million pounds. That's what people are being uh, touted for this guy. But I think. Um, he might be the best forward on the market right now that, that you can still get. Um, you probably haven't got long to get him because Lille have got a campaign about to start and they're trying to overcome their troubles from last season when they obviously fell off a cliff after winning the league. Um, but wouldn't surprise me at all if a, if a big offer lands here. So here's the problem for Jonathan David. He's suffering from a case of the Alexander Isaks. He got 15 league goals last year, which is very respectable. The problem is they were almost all in the first half of the season. So since January, he has scored three league goals. And he did the same thing as Isak. He just went on a bit of a dry spell 
And it's definitely affected people's confidence in spending a, re- a relatively large amount of money on him. Although, you know, at 20, a roughly 20 million less than Isak, it is, it is starting to look like really good value. But when the goals dry up for score, for, for forwards, even if they're like Isak and even if they're like David, who offer you so much in so many different ways, the, the level of confidence in the buying clubs, it just dips to the point where they end up on July 27, just still on the market. Now, obviously, Lille and Real Sociedad delighted by that. Um, but there is a real, really good case for these two moving on to to bigger and better things, particularly in David's case, obviously, because he's not no European football whatsoever. But they're still there. Yeah, this is it, isn't it? it? Also, I mean, I suppose the other question for these two players, and maybe it's not a massive question because they both are continual starters for their respective nations. But, you know, especially for Jonathan Davies, he's got a World Cup coming up in you know, four months. Yeah. Is he going to risk moving somewhere where he's not a starter um, and, and, and being not in full fitness for a World Cup where he's looking to shine on the biggest stage? Because that is a risk if you go to Manchester United. Or, you know, to be honest, quite a lot of clubs here. Jonathan David comes in and he's not probably automatic first choice for a lot. Let's say if he looks at going to a Champions League club, who are probably the clubs who have the ability to spend this kind of money on him. Is he going to be an automatic starter? And if he's not, is that a worry going into a World Cup? Look, look, that's not to suggest he's not going to start for Canada. He obviously is. But mm. there is a question of, do you want to be in kind of like the run and, and the rhythm by the time that you get to that World Cup in that you can feel confident going into it? And if so, is it better to stick around where you are right now? Because there's a lot kind of going on in that respect. Also, David's yeah. had a really good preseason. Um, he's been on fire for Lille in in the warm-ups. Um, scored loads of goals and, and has been really, really impactful. He and Fonseca is a really nice match for manager and player. I think they'll get along really well. So I think I think whatever happens for David, it's going to be a positive. He's either Lille are just going to be better and he's got a, a better suit as a manager or he ends up getting a transfer and, you know, moves on and plays at a higher level with with, with some better players. You're right, Jack. His, da- his place isn't in danger. His sharpness might be, though, as you say. Yeah. Less of a problem for Isaac, obviously, Sweden didn't qualify, but I was just thinking yeah. about his kind of, yeah. uh, he actually has more competition on the international stage for a starting berth. So um, yes. there's, there's that to consider in that respect as well. Okay, let's move on to category three, shall we? Okay, it's best free agent. You know where I'm going with this, right, Jack? Mm-hmm. My favourite. My favourite, my boy. Florian Grilich is still on the market. Yeah, some Brighton, Brighton eventually made a move for him, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, well, that's gone quiet as well. I've now seen Fiorentina, Brighton, Galatasaray, West Ham and Arsenal all linked to Grilich this summer and nothing has gone through. The Brighton contact's gone a bit dry. The Galatasaray deal, I think, fell through due to wages. I don't know what happened with Fiorentina. I just can't believe he's still there. 26, 27 days on from the expiry of his contract to Hoffenheim. And he's just a free agent. I, I can't believe it. I've tried to look into this as much as possible. Like, what is happening? Why is he still there? The only thing I can see, there's been a suggestion from the German media that his agent, who is also his brother, I think, has been a little bit difficult to deal with at points. And that is perhaps holding things up a little bit. Definitely wages for some of the clubs. Maybe difficulty with dealing with the agent for the other. But he's still there. And I would encourage all clubs in world football to go and have a look at signing him because he's really good. Yeah, he is really good. And he also plays a very uh, very important position, right? He yeah. 
you know, he, he comes from he comes from a place here that you're looking at him and going, right, you there aren't that many players who can do what Grealish does in the centre of the park. Um, and there's a lot of clubs crying out for a player in this mould. Um, and I'm not just talking about Manchester United for once. Um, but, you know, there are plenty of clubs who could really do with a number six. Now, obviously, if you sign a free agent, their wages are going to be inflated. That's how it works. But we've seen from, you know, the variations on this. And, you know, I, I, I keep going back to this Jovic deal as, as a kind of arbiter, right? They're paying, you know, they're paying nothing for him, um, although they are covering half his wages. It basically amounts to the idea of paying about 10 million for Jovic, on and then not paying him any wages for two years or pay him just like just over 45k a week like Mm. it's not massive they're not huge amounts here we're not talking about amounts that are going to break the bank we're talking about wages that actually when you consider that there's no transfer fee add up to a very sensible amount of money for a player of Grilich's quality Um, now whether he wants a long-term five-year deal and that's what's holding things up here I don't know but I do think that Grilich is going to be snapped up by the end of the window because he's just too good not to be. Too good and too useful as a player profile, as you've alluded to. Just um, just too valuable for, for so many clubs. And um, yeah, the, the ones that, that he's been linked to, I mean, West Ham, you know, would love a player like him, um, holding midfielder that can drop into the back line, perfect, brilliant passing range, can spray it about, can see why Galatasaray or anyone in Turkey would be interested in, but he's too good for that league. Arsenal, I can see why they're interested. Brighton, of course, as well. I can see why Fiorentina asked the question at a certain point. Like, there's a, there's a case for so many of these teams and so many more, um, but he's, he's still there. So, yeah, don't really get it at all. Yeah, a strange yeah. one. Who are you going for, Dean? Well, Grilich is 26 and I've gone for a player that's almost 10 years older than him. But I feel like <laughs> as a free agent... I'm looking for as a free agent as someone who can help define your season and, and make massive changes to to the team at key moments. And I just can't stop coming back to Luis Suarez. He's 35, but this guy can still make a big impact. And he did make an impact last season um, for Atletico Madrid. Like, he actually did well. Like, when you look back at his record, um, he scored 11 goals in La Liga. Well, he only started 20 games. He, he appeared in 35, but he started 20 games. He got 11 goals. Um, and he's just got that nous, that smartness that can really, really pay off for, for teams. And whether it's making impact off the bench, but also to put pressure on your main striker, help teach your main striker, and also help bring through youngsters in those squad. Like you learn so much from bringing around these these players. And there are, there are squads out there right now who, who lack a real experienced pro who could teach them the, the naughty sides of football, the dirty sides, the little snide things that are in Suarez's game? Like they are important that you you pick up on these things, particularly in training, so that you're prepared for them in, in matches. But ultimately, this is a player of just unbelievable experience. His finishing prowess is second to none, and he'd probably take a one-year deal. At the moment, it's looking like he might end up in MLS, and there's huge talk that he might be going to LAFC. Oh, you just can't have another one. It's just <laughs> not okay. Like, it's, I'm, there I'm is a lot. There's it. a lot out there in the last like 24 hours, particularly that it is LAFC that he might end up at. Now, now that's his kind of a cheating. If this happens, then I think it's probably cheating. <laughs> you can't <laughs> have Vela, Bale, and Suarez in a forward line. It's well, the thing is, they've already right. got they got Chicharanga too, who is actually really good. Yeah. And it's like just gonna 
he they can't he can't still get in the team if Suarez is there as well. He's already like people are like wow he's he's managing to hold onto his shirt and good because he's he's really good. But um, Suarez is there. It's like oh my days, how's this guy going to survive? But yeah, Suarez um, looking for a home. I mean, yeah, there are, there are plenty of teams out there that should have been looking at this situation. I think even like Newcastle, for example, could have done with someone like Luis Suarez. Like while they're while they're in this situation where they're trying to jump a tier basically in the Premier League to get among the European contenders. They they need that mentality. I can't um, imagine Eddie Howe trying to manage Luis Suarez. No, I can't really either. But <laughs> but it's you know, like to get players of that level and to help others understand what it takes to get there. Um, you know, they've obviously brought in a, a couple of players like that and, and Trippier and Trippier is one of them that, that kind of set the ball rolling in terms of Newcastle setting their stall out and trying to teach people like what it takes to be like a proper Champions League level footballer um, and drive the team towards that. It would have been interesting. It would have been interesting. Obviously, you know, it's not an exact fit for Newcastle and the profile of players that they have been looking at. But I don't think it always has to be. I think sometimes you do need a different type of character in your squad. I think you can't have all players of the same type. You need you need, you need somebody who's who might be a bit um, hot-headed at times or might... Um, might throw his toys out of pram at moments. I don't think it's necessarily bad because it, it, it shows that he cares too. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it ends up though. I, I just think that a free agent like Suarez, like whoever gets him, they're going to get, you know, goals from him that, that win matches and there's not many people on the market that can do that. Yeah, yeah, it's... um. It's a good one. I, I've got a similar shout of of age and experience that could a lot of teams could do with. And this Diego week, it, this week it was concern, confirmed that Dries Mertens is is leaving Napoli. Oh. Um, now, last season, Dries Mertens played thirty games in the league, totaling about one thousand three hundred minutes, about one thousand four hundred minutes, um, and he got eleven goals and two assists. It's a goal contribution every one hundred and six minutes. That is not bad. For a 35-year-old who was mm. playing in in a slightly bit part role, um, kind of playing, fitting around Victor Ossiman, stepping in when Ossiman got injured. He is still an exceptionally good footballer. He said that he will not sign for another team in Italy because he will not play against Napoli, um, which is lovely. Um, but equally, he said he's looking for a project in Europe. He doesn't want to move um, to the Gulf or, or to MLS or down under just yet. Um, so it's quite exciting to see where he goes next. But I think that there are so many clubs that should be after a Dries Mertens type profile. Who's happy to kind of play uh, a secondary role. Like you say, that experience, he's less of a hothead um, than Luis Suarez and and that kind of guiding light for so many younger players. You know, mm. if you come out and have a career and a kind of, uh, you know, Dries Mertens has kind of been loved everywhere he's gone, right? He is one of those players that people just seem to flock to. He seems like a genuinely really nice bloke. Um, <laughs> and it was someone that you'd like to have around the changing room. So, I genuinely think that the Dries Mertens on a free is an unbelievable deal waiting to happen for somebody outside of Italy. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he goes. So I would throw his name into the hat as well. It's uh, yeah, probably fair. We'd probably take him at Granada. You take him at Granada? I mean, it's a project. Yeah. I'll give him that. It's a, pro- give him it's that. a big project. Although, did you see we signed Jose Re- Callahan? I was going to say, reunite him with Jose Callahan. Why not? Why not just Why not just get the band back together? The Napoli band but just in Granada. Okay. Nice. That's my pitch. It's an idea. That's my pitch, Dries. It's an idea. I'm into it. 
I'm into it. I'd quite like him at Betis, to be honest, but we shall see. We shall see. Right, what's number four? It's best goalkeeper, Dean's favourite category. Um, mm. And I'll, you know what? I'll throw it to you first, mate, since you're so passionate about the subject. Well, I'm passionate about this one because I want my team to sign him. I've got best goalkeeper on the market is Bernd Leno, um, <laughs> because Fulham are, are, are trying to sign him. And I'm actually really excited about the fact that Bernd Leno might might come to Fulham and that we're trying to get this one over the line. Fulham are trying to sign a few players from, from Premier League clubs at the moment, and um, they're finding it difficult that, you know, not it's not easy, especially when you're a promoted team and you're, you've got a bit of money. Um, there's a lot of haggling to be done and Fulham have had frustrations with centre-backs and also this goalkeeper. Um, do you know what? Bird Leno, I think he's was really unlucky, actually, to to find himself out of that Arsenal setup. Now, obviously, like the way they've moved on, fine. Like I understand they're probably in a better place right now. Um, but Leno, like he, had, he really had overcome like the troubles that had been... Um, kind of nailed to him you know he was getting a bit of a reputation for making certain errors for Arsenal but then he really started to grow as a goalkeeper it felt like and find his feet within the Premier League I don't think there are many better at him in world football making full-length spectacular saves and if there's one thing I love about a goalkeeper <laughs> it's a fingertip save and he made loads of them for Arsenal um, denying some some great goals um, I think it was De Bruyne, man, they've played Man City. I think there's one particularly from De Bruyne that was going in the top corner and he and he tipped it wide and he did the same actually to Harry Maguire of all people. I remember there's a Man United match and, and, he, and he made a fingertip save to, de- to deny Harry Maguire. Um, it, they are actually probably his best type of saves. Like Bird Leno like, doesn't concede many in the roof of his net. He's very good up there. Um, but, but what I like too is that as he progressively got better at Arsenal his confidence meant that his passing became better and his catching became better. And it was all round game. By the time he was actually out of that Arsenal team, it was probably the best I'd actually seen <laughs> at any point. So I think he was a little bit hard done by. I think also at the time, I think he was set to move back to, Ger- to, move to Germany and it didn't um, happen for him. Um, but now, yeah, Fulham in for Bernd Leno. I'd love to think that by the time people are listening to this, he's a Fulham player. I'm not sure that will be the case. But um, yeah, I think I'm biased, but I think he's the best goalkeeper in the market right now. <laughs> so first, it's a fair shout. First, first of all, I don't think I've ever heard you speak about a goalkeeper. Like that. I don't think I've ever heard you provide any kind of analysis on a goalkeeper. <laughs> which positivity, positivity, it doesn't, actually, it doesn't yeah. fit. Like The problem is when I watch football, unfortunately, I do have to watch the goalkeepers too. And I do like make notes mentally about these people. So I, I do have like things to say about goalkeepers. It's just usually I refuse unless I'm actually <laughs> made to. This is, this <laughs> is one of those few times. So Leno's, Leno's problem was that while he, he did... He did. He's okay with his feet. Um, he's not bad. He looked really good for a while, but it was just that in contrast to Petr Cech, he looked excellent. And then actually, it's, I think it was the the dawn of the Arteta era, really, that where he was obviously trying to model Arsenal on Manchester City, and he went for Aaron Ramsdale, who's just you know a huge plus in the possession column and and, and the distribution yeah. column. Like Leno's fine, but Ramsdale's exceptional. So he just went for a different style of goalkeeper. It's left him in the cold a little bit. He's perfectly serviceable um, for Premier League level. Um, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a pretty fair shout, but there is, there is surely a goalkeeper here who is on the market, who is clearly better than Bern Leno. Um, and it's Kayla Navas who, Oh yeah. I'd, yeah. Have him at Fulham. I'd have him at Fulham. Yeah. Would you? 
Good, good. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah. Kayla yeah. <laughs> Navas is now, is, is, is now confirmed as the number two at PSG. And if you were thinking that that was the case last season, it actually wasn't. He was in this weird timeshare with Donnarumma where Pochettino just couldn't wouldn't make the call between them. And they ended up starting like a really even number of games between, for example, Liga. It was like sort of, sort of roughly 20 each. And it was driving people mad. You know, fantasy football is a nightmare. Who's going to play? Don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Stability of the defence. Where are the connections with the communication? You know, swapping in and out between Navas and Donnarumma. One of the first things that Galtier and Luis Campos did this summer was go, right, we're doing a number one and a number two. We're not doing this timeshare rubbish. And Donnarumma is the number one. He's got age on his side. He's a brilliant goalkeeper. It's the natural choice. I don't know if Kayla Navas ends up leaving PSG this summer because I'm actually looking around for a spot for him and it's pretty difficult to find a seat right now. A lot of them have been filled up. But presumably, given the nature of his his career um, and how good he still is, the fact that he's got a World Cup on his mind, the fact that he's frankly too good to be a number two, and the fact that he has been relegated, so to speak, to that role, he would be on the market, I think, if there was a spot for him. The problem is I'm struggling to find it. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's an interesting one. The other one I would put on here is that I think that you could probably get Cohen Castells out of Wolfsburg if you put in the mm. right offer. Uh, not playing European football. He is a top, top draw goalkeeper. Um, and I wonder if 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 you wrote the right money on the table for Wolfsburg, would they sell? Um, and I think the answer is probably yes, um, mm. especially if it was from a club who had European football to offer and who, who wanted a new number one. I think that you could do a, a whole lot worse than Cohen Castells. Um, yeah. I wonder if Samir Handanovic is on the market, considering that Onana has come in now i know that inter have promised him that he will get to start the season and and basically you know the shirt is his to lose um but with one year left on his deal if an if an offer came in there do you think they would accept it i think the answer is probably yes um so maybe. i would maybe put handanovic on the market as well um maybe. yeah mm. so very i think he, he feels like a, a proper loyal interisti though doesn't he he's been there for such a long time I feel mm. like he might, he might, I mean, Inter might accept an offer for him, but I genuinely don't even know if he'd would he take leave, it, yeah. you know, if it would, he, would he go? Um, obviously, Leno and Navas are desperate to get out there. Can you think of any destinations for Navas? Because all I've got so far is, um, and I've really tried hard with this, <laughs> Napoli. And even this, even this is a stretch. Is Napoli because yeah, you know, the, we're it's, sending it's, everyone to Naples. Everyone the entire goes to gang is going to Naples. That's what's um, going on. David Ospina has gone. He's gone to the Middle East. Um, I think they've given Alex Merritt a new contract, but obviously there's a there's, there's a potential spot there that the trust in Merritt hasn't been too great over the years, and I understand why. So I feel like Napoli's a shot, but all of the other sort of openings, like you know Lazio, that closed up with Maximiano, Villarreal, they they signed Pepe Reina to back up um, Ruyi and Geronimo, yeah, yeah, and Asenjo's gone, so. Yeah, I'm struggling really. All the French teams, I think, have sort of done their their musical chairs on the goalkeepers and have, have, have more or less settled on who they want to they want to go for. Uh, it's looking a bit bleak for Navas, unless he wants to think really Fiorentina outside the box. Could do it. Fiorentina could do with the number one, I would suggest. Tchaikovsky um, oh, yeah? and not massive amounts of confidence in, although he does have a great beard. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think there's all that much confidence. I think if Kaylor Navas was on the market, then. Fiorentina would be very interested. Or I don't know if they'd pay the fee that PSG would need to accept. It might not be a fee, but it might be a wage problem for Fiorentina. You know, yeah, uh, I'm sure sure right. he'd take a downgrade from PSG. Everyone would have to, but 
yeah, it might be an issue there. And maybe there, maybe there's hope for him yet. Yeah, I saw Benfica links earlier in the summer, but Odysseus Vlachodimos did not end up leaving. So that kind of went out the window, you know. Best name in football. Odysseus best name in football. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's looking a little bit bleak for Kayla, which is I think is a massive shame. I'm a huge fan of his. Really yes, big fan. I and I want, I want to see him play. Napoli then. Off to Naples you go, Kayla. Thanks very much. <laughs> so, um, see you later. Have a good time. Uh, enjoy yes, yourself. Yes. Right. Yep. Let's go on to our last category, shall we? Final category is best defender. And unless something happens in the next 24 hours, it has to be Jules Kunde. Now that Koulibaly is off the market, Kunde is fantastic. And I feel like we talk about him quite a lot, but always in the context of a transfer. I can't remember the last time I actually sat here with you guys and talked about Jules Kunde as a footballer and actually talked about like what he's good at and why he's so good. I feel like we kind of got lost somewhere in the last six months. That, yeah. yeah, it's just <laughs> it's always about the transfer. We don't ever talk about how damn good this guy is. And I just yeah. thought, Interestingly, with this whole um, this whole thing about Lissandro Martinez and his height, you know, joining Manchester United as a centre back mm. as a as a five foot nine, five foot ten guy, and whether or not it can work, Jules Kunde is more or less the same height as Lissandro Martinez. It flies under the radar a little bit because for quite a while Kunde had an afro with a headband. It made him look some like several inches taller, and people didn't realise that actually he's also under six foot. So there's another one for the category of, okay, a bit more modern as a centre-back. And maybe you're tempted to, you know, Chelsea would play him on the right of a back three. France have played him, you know, there or on, on at wing-back and, and, and Sevilla have played him at right-back at times because he's got such burst and athleticism as well. But at centre-back, he's still absolutely fine. Played in a back four for Sevilla with Diego Carlos. He might be small, but like Lissandro, the leap, the leap that Kunde has is incredible. The spring in that step and the timing of the jump and all of those elements, the jostling, the battling, the elbowing, he's nailed it all. He's absolutely no liability there, but he's another one for the conversation of this sort of slightly newer breed of centre-back who isn't six foot four anymore. They don't all look like Sven Botman. Actually, they start to look a bit more like Lissandro and, and, and Jules Kunde. And what a player he is. And, you know, I assume he leaves and goes somewhere, Barcelona or Chelsea. He's going to have to it's going to have to go. Um, Ain't going to Chelsea. Is it, so is it now going to be Barca? I think, yeah, I think I think Chelsea have closed the door on it now. I, th- I think that um, they've had enough of that. Um, <laughs> they, they can't, you know, they literally had, the deal was done. It was all ready to go. And then they were also told, then they were told again, could you just wait a minute? I just want to check on this Barcelona thing. No, mate, we're not waiting anymore. Like, if you want to, if you want to wait for Barcelona, then you wait for Barcelona. Like, we can't, we can't wait around anymore. I think Tuchel's just had enough. Like, full stop with football at the moment. He is absolutely <laughs> sick of everything. Like, he's having to do everything. Managers think that they want to get involved in other areas of the club, and they're told to do it, and they can't, they can't do it because it's too busy. And, and Tuchel, you know, having to now help. Uh, Todd Bow with his recruitment uh, it, it's distracted him from his actual job of coaching the team they've just been battered 4-0 by Arsenal like it, it, it always yeah it's all hindering each each uh, area of the club yeah I think Chelsea have moved, are moving on to other targets but um, actually the one I'm going to talk about is one they might might yet turn to um, it's Pau Torres. I'm amazed this geezer's still Ooh. on the market. I don't understand how he's still on the market because 
Well, everybody's wanted to sign him and had him as a priority target at some point, it seems like, in the last year or so. Um, he's been linked with Man United, Tottenham, Chelsea, Newcastle. He still plays for Villarreal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've addressed his flaws. Like It's kind of like we talk to Sam there. Sam was talking about Kunde and how we only talk about the transfer of Kunde, not as a player. Well, with Pau Torres, we've only really talked about his flaws. Um, and, and of course, he has flaws, but... He also has very good traits at that teams across Europe could do with and they could cover up his flaws by having a good defensive partner for him. Um, you know, his composure, his ability to play out the back, you know, he can do, there are some things he can do almost better than any other defender in the world. Like for, for the most part, you know, there'll always be like 10 that are probably better than him, but like, He's there. He's right there in that conversation of being like on the cusp of joining one of the biggest teams in European football. He's still at Villarreal and there are, you know, Tottenham is still in the market potentially for one more centre, but they probably will wait on it now. Um, you know, Man United have talked about it, probably not going to go through with it. Chelsea still need it. Arsenal potentially still would go for one more centre back. Um and that's just the Premier League. There are other, there are other spaces, I'm sure, across Europe that, that you two could probably assess as good landing spots for him. But I'm just amazed, really, that more than anything, that, that Pau Torres and how much he has been talked up for the past year as one of the best defenders in Europe actively will be available for the right fee. He will move. But no one's done it. No one's pulled the trigger and gone for him. Why? Napoli? Napoli, yeah. We have our concerns. Like, don't, that's not a, it's not a dig. He um, plays every week for Villarreal. And he, like, he, I, love, I love Pal. Like, I think he's excellent, but he does have deficiencies, especially physically. Um, he can be bullied out of games. Um, really, he's, he, he can be attacked. Um, and we've seen teams gain success that way. He's a glorious passer of the ball. Um, and he's, he's very good on the deck. But it, there are, I'd imagine, concerns, especially from the Premier League clubs who are interested in him, about the fact that there are aerial weaknesses and he's not, you know, built all that strongly. Um, he's a little bit Eric Garcia in some ways. Um, there are just concerns with with how physical he can be. And, you know, at one point, Spain was starting a partnership of Pau Torres and Eric Garcia, um, and there's no, you know, there's no, there's no shock that that physically they were they were dominated in those areas. So I imagine, obviously, with the right partner in the right place, and next to Raul Albiol, who's such a kind of old warhorse, a grizzled old warhorse in those areas, he's excellent. But you need to pair him with the right person if you're going to get the best out of Pau Torres. And I imagine that that's a task that a lot of people are looking at and going, mm, maybe that's not quite what we need right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe. you're both right in the uh, the right partner can sort it. I mean, whenever I've spoken about Powell's flaws and my concerns, it's really always in relation to a Premier League move. It's not in relation to a big move. It's not like every league is different. And it's just something I think that he would struggle with in England. But there are other top leagues out there that he would be yeah. able to go to and thrive in. It would be somewhat less of a concern. And he's already in one right now. So like if Barcelona really couldn't afford Kunde and really ran out of options and all that stuff, then Pau is someone that you could look at, although you'd be running the risk there was of a, a Pau Eric Garcia partnership at the same thing. But also also that the thing with Jules Kunde is that he can play right back. 
as well. Yeah. Like you definitely yeah. wouldn't be playing Pal Torres there as a left footer. So th- that's actually no. where the, the worry is for Barcelona. It's cover it right back as well as at centre back. And that's why Kunde makes a lot more sense. But if Torres was True. at, say, Pal went to Chelsea and they got Kula Bali and Thiago Silva, does that work or not? I'd be less concerned about that. Yeah. Back three, yeah. left side, good passing range. That's left what foot. I'm thinking. Kula yeah. That's, that's kind of what him. I have in mind. Like, surely he could handle that. I yeah, I think, I think he could. Yeah. Yeah, I think mm. he could. So it's just something that might come on the radar. Obviously, Chelsea are having to look at other options at the moment. And and it's just jump, it keeps jumping out to me that like this guy is still there. He's still on the market. And, you know, that's that's why I think this has been an interesting debate. Like there's there's still like five weeks of the market to go and some massive transfers has happened. And there'll be some that definitely catch us out. Um, players that you didn't think would be available or play, you know, Clubs just trying to fix a late hole in their squad by making a mad bid for somebody. But these guys, most of them probably will move on. So that's what's going to be interesting. Neither of you mentioned Milan Skriniar, which is interesting because he is apparently also on the market. And I think the Skriniar is excellent. Now, I know PSG have had a bid knocked back and they've turned uh, obviously to Michele instead. But there is rumours that Skriniar, if anyone's going to be leaving Inter in terms of this defensive line, that Skriniar was the man. Although... I'd suggest maybe with, with Gleis and Bremers joining Juventus, who was their kind of long-term replacement target, maybe he's going to stay put. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Chelsea have had an eye on him too, but like there seems to have been a, quite a few false dawns with him now and transfers too. So I'm just wondering if he does end up staying. Yeah, for sure. It's an interesting yeah, one. But one so, some, some, some of this was difficult because you are trying to gauge, like, is that player genuinely available? And it's the bid that was not backed by for PSG was pretty big, right? So we're talking about a hell of a lot of money for Skriniar here. Um, It does feel like one of those transfers that I just don't think happens. And it's the same way I feel about Ronaldo, where we didn't bring him up too much in the forward conversation. It just doesn't feel like he's going to go. And that's just an inkling. That's just, that's just when you, when you pick your players, you've got to, you've got to hunch either way, but it does feel like Skriniar is going to be priced out of the, out of a move, even if Inter do seemingly need a bit of money. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Ronaldo could catch us out. Like, he usually gets his way. Like, Ronaldo wants to leave and he usually gets his way. Um, and I'm still wondering, like, could Chelsea go back for him? There aren't there aren't many... Op- they don't have an out-and-out goal scorer right now. They don't have a natural centre-forward and they're going to be starting the f- season with Kai Havertz. But Kai Havertz has never carried a team through an entire season as a centre-forward. Armando Brogia's still there. Like, I wouldn't trust him to do it either. I just couldn't see it getting to a point where if Chelsea haven't identified anyone else in the next week or so, then the owner might just be like, look, why can't we just let me get you Ronaldo for a year? Like, it can't go that bad. And Tuchel might go, well, it could. (laughs) (laughs) It could, actually. It could go really bad. And I might not be your manager by the end of the season. I mean, um, the the rumours are that Ronaldo wants to leave right now, but they have wheeled Alex Ferguson out. Sir Alex is in the building at Carrington this morning, so I imagine he'll talk him round. That's usually what happens. Yeah, I'll just be reminding him of when he was an 18-year-old and... uh... They'll have a cup of tea and sort it out, won't they? Yeah, but, uh, certainly. You say that, I reckon he's gonna. He'll just kick him in the shin and tell him to shut up. 
and then Ronaldo yeah. would go, okay, boss, okay. Yeah, I reckon Fergie wasn't even invited. I think he's probably just got the ump reading about this. <laughs> he's like, he just I'll go have a word with this lad. I remember when I signed him. He'll be it, fine. It does make me laugh that United just wheel out Fergie whenever there's a problem. They're like, right, get a big man in. Uh, well, I, don't, I read someone on Twitter. It was like, it's when you have the substitute teacher and she can't handle the class and suddenly the head teacher's called and just walks in and everyone has to shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's very much like that, isn't it? Um, right, well, well done, boys. Very, very good talking about all the players on the market and beyond, I suppose, in that, that little segment. I enjoyed myself. I was originally going to like try and play you off against each other, but it didn't feel like that kind of vibe. So it's nice to just have a have a good time together, really. So I yeah, enjoyed it. Nice. Lots of work. Very done. Very well done. After the break, we've got a Melon of the Week and the Gibberish Rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Rags FC. It's time for everybody's favourite part of the week. Dean Jones, the floor is yours. Have you got anyone that you're going to coerce into doing really well this week by calling them a melon? Mm, It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Luciano Spalletti. Well, yeah, quite interesting, uh, quite interesting day, as it turned out the other day. Uh, held an open training session with his Napoli team, and uh, there were two things that really stood out um, on the back of it. And people turn up just to, you know, watch their team go through the motions, go for a few drills, hopefully grab a few pictures or whatever afterwards. Uh, well, they saw a couple of things here. One was that um, <laughs> Spalletti got annoyed with Victor Ozzyman and his, his behaviour during during that uh, training session. And he, he sent him for an early shower. Ozzyman was annoyed at a challenge that had been made on him. And uh, so Spalletti sent him off for descent in the open training session. And Ozzyman <laughs> seemed to genuinely really, really have the ump with it. He was going off. Um, and yeah, that, that didn't go down well. Anguissa tried to calm him down. Didn't really work. I was like, man, off he went down the tunnel. Um, so not great relation, not a great PR exercise between manager and star player there. But not only that, um, then afterwards, Spalletti parades around in a Pornhub hat, um, <laughs> which was thrown from some supporters who were trying to get his, his autograph and a few pictures afterwards. And and this uh, this hat comes down and and... But he does have a little look at it briefly and then, and then whacks it on and he turns around so you can't really see from the, the point of view where someone had been filming in the crowd. Um, and he does turn around and it's in very clear vision, like Pornhub on this hat. Like it's, I didn't know Pornhub made branded gear like this that people just had, um, but clearly they do. Spletty had it on his head. Unbelievable advert for them. Always, um, look, always look at things people throw at you before you put did, it on. He did, and that, and that's the thing. He ta- he then takes it off, has a look at it, and he like puts it away or whatever. But do you know what? Oh, was he looking at the back thinks... of the hat though was he looking at the back of the hat and didn't didn't turn it was a bucket hat wasn't he saw it? it he definitely like i watched the video a few times because he does glance at it before and you can identify the logo pretty clearly um so they've got a very distinctive orange initially yeah i think he might have done it for a laugh i reckon part of me is like i reckon he's just gone along with this and just stuck it on but if he didn't, then I guess he's a melon. And I, I've had to take <laughs> down the tone this week because, oh, the uproar over Darwin Nunez. <laughs> oh, you're all melons of the week. You're, you're all melon of the week. week. It, <laughs> it's fine. Darwin Nunez, as I said on Patreon, if why can I not go over the top 
If you no, sorry, if you can all get excited about Darwin Nunes scoring four goals, then I can get excited about the fact that Darwin Nunes is sending every shot forty yards over the bar. The four goals weren't that good. He didn't play <laughs> that was. well. One of them was Everyone's giving him ten out of ten. Do me a favour. He, as I said, yeah, he. He's off, a, the, he's off the mark, though, and that's important. We talked about pre-season. In the Premier League, he might have scored one of them. Um, so, yeah, let, let's see. Fulham, we hold no fear. Oh, yeah. I, you, <laughs> you do. I do. I can't believe you've, can't believe you've cursed him into, uh, into scoring against Bring us on. on the opening weekend. Bring it um, on, mate. And, uh, Tim just, Ream and Tosin are ready. Just you wait. In that, in that, first, uh, in that first Napoli game, they're going to win 7-0, and Ossiemen and, and Spalletti are going to be embracing openly on the field afterwards, <laughs> uh, given, the, given the stature of Men of the Week. While they're watching so porn on their phone. This, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's a different game. Different game. Um, good. Very, very good. That's the gibberish siren. It's time for the gibberish ranking, Sam. Guys, this is going to be, without doubt, the most sensible gibberish you will ever hear. Uh, I mean that. I mean that sincerely. I'm here to educate. I'm going to talk about my top three subscriptions of the eco-friendly variety. Yeah, not one of those. They're all eco-friendly. They're all good for the environment. I think it's time it's, just, it's time this podcast talks about the environment a little bit more, especially after that ridiculous wow. heat wave. So my top three us subscriptions. Us and Reading FC. Mm. <laughs> you see Number this? Three. Reading have climate stripes on their sleeves. Very good. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I might go and get a season ticket. Uh, number three on my list is Dr. Dr. Squatch Soap. Now, do you remember when I went to the USA a couple of years ago and came back and basically blasted the entire country for using bars of soap? Yes. I now use bars of soap. This is the sort of character arc Marvel would be proud of. I basically clicked on an Instagram advert for some soap and I ended up ordering it. It took about three weeks to arrive, which I wasn't happy about. But when it did get here, I was extremely happy. I now smell like rum. It's, it's like all oh. natural soap. It's got really cool flavors or scents. I think you should call them because you can't I eat often soap. Smell as much of, as, much as it, it does look delicious. The next morning, but it's got nothing to do with my soap. <laughs> <laughs> I smell like rum. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. But um, in all seriousness, Dr. Squatch Soap uh, got tricked by an Instagram advert, but it was one of the best tricks that's ever been played on me. Uh, and very now involved. you're advertising for free for everyone else. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. It really has and, paid off for them, this Instagram ad. It really has, yeah. This is it. This is it. Um, it's it, look. It's environmentally friendly. It's a, it's a it's a bar of soap with natural ingredients. It's sent in cardboard packaging. There's no plastic. There's no shower gel. There's no chemicals. My wife has really tried to get me to take to pay more attention to this stuff, and she, to be fair, is the driving force behind two of these three uh, subscriptions. But good for you and good for the world. I think we should all respect that. And good for rum, which is the main thing here. I'm going to start calling you Jack Sparrow. Onwards. <laughs> you can't. You, we can't both be called Jack. It's too that confusing. That is true. Just Very call me Sparrow. Point. I'll sound Sparrow, like a spy. Yeah, yeah. Sparrow, Sparrow, come in. Yeah, come in, Sparrow. Um, I'll take it, 100%. Right, number two, packed coffee. I get premium coffee posted through my letterbox every month. Now, we all know the importance of fair trade coffee, but this company are working directly with farms and paying them loads more per, uh, per shipping. And they work with about 140 of them, all different ones across the world. Then they send you their coffee. You basically get to undercut the cost of coffees of the world and the Starbucks who are buying ridiculously cheap 
mass brand coffee that's roasted to within an inch of its life and just doesn't taste as good. You get to support the genuinely good farms around the world. They send you a little info booklet with it and it shows you like the farm it's come from, which country it's come from, some information about the farmer. They pay them on average 44% more than fair trade rate, which is absolutely awesome. And it is absolutely levels above. This coffee is unbelievable. This sounds a bit like when I adopted a polar bear. Like I got sent an info book about polar bear's name and like, yeah, what like was it all called? The bits about it. I can't remember actually. It was a long, long time ago. <laughs> but I did adopt, so, I did adopt a polar bear once. Actually, I didn't. Someone bought me an adopted polar bear for Christmas. Did you get pretty, a little like at the time? Co- I wasn't that pleased about. It. I was like, can I just have like a PlayStation game or something? <laughs> um, <laughs> but instead, I got a polar bear. I've never met it. I don't know why. It doesn't know who I am. I'm a bit like I don't know why I've adopted said polar bear, but I suppose it's good. Yeah. So the problem with that is always that they always send you that cuddly toy version of whatever you've um, you've adopted. Oh, no, I know. I didn't which, get that. You didn't even get that because often they send you like no. a cuddly toy. But it's like, right, this is good in that. But can you send me like a real polar bear? Like, because obviously that's like, that's where the like fun when is. People buy a, it's like when people buy a star, isn't it? Like, you're like, oh, you, you own this star now. But like, oh, that's great. I'm yeah. never going to go there because I would literally burn alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually the even greatest. Even if I could get that, yeah. The greatest scam in history, buying it's, stars. Exactly. It's like we sold you this hectare of the sky. Okay. is that Thanks. Was that yours to sell? Don't know. Yeah, don't I don't know. know. Don't Who know. knows? Who knows? Anyway, my best subscription is called Who Gives a Crap? And it's toilet roll. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah. About every six months, once every six months, we get a massive bulk delivery of toilet roll from a company named Who Gives a Crap? 100% recycled, all sustainable materials, bamboo and cardboard. It's wrapped in paper, nothing, no plastic, nothing at all, zero plastic in sight. Uh, the guys that run this company did some research and noted that about 40% of this world do not have access to a toilet and donate a, an absolute shed load of their proceeds and profits to building toilets to dis- in disadvantaged countries, which I think is absolutely awesome. They use super eco-friendly methods apart from the shipping which i'm not sure you can really do that much about but the materials are all sustainable and recyclable and they donate loads and loads of money in order to make sure that the general living standards rise across the world um this is great and i like genuinely i really like this concept but it does like kind of fundamentally cope on the idea of you having enough space to host loads and loads of toilet paper for like six months right like, like i don't have enough space in my flat to put like you don't have to buy 48 rolls you can buy four <laughs> yeah but then you need to get more shipping which kind of probably yeah. offsets any of the uh offsets any of the positives that are being done anyway so i may as well just be like well you know tick along if you have the space great vibes if you don't it's a quite difficult one to uh to, to co-opt so they come they come wrapped in like really jazzy paper there are individually. Yeah, that's wrapped. not going to cope outside. I don't think on my balcony. No, but you <laughs> like, can then you can when the rains your, come. You can decorate your house with them. They've got really jazzy oh, patterns okay. on them. They look really cool, and you can just stack them in different places. Also, if you buy enough of them, mate, just sell your bed and then create a bed out of toilet roll. But that and then just pop. Just, it would defeat the purpose because I wouldn't be able to take them off to actually use them as toilet rolls. It's just an ever decreasing <laughs> bed. <laughs> Yeah, just like getting smaller and smaller until the next delivery arrives and you suddenly rebuild the bed. I'm not completely convinced by this plan, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Right, well, like, um, look, that's, that's good. fine. I'm, just... I'm, proud, I'm, I'm proud of you for doing good work. 
It's mostly Rachel. Yeah, well done, mate. It's very good. It's definitely Rachel. I, this is this is all Rachel, isn't it? But at least apart, you've embraced it. Apart from the Instagram ads that you clicked on and got got, got seduced by, um, this is this is <laughs> Rachel's work. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say congratulations to you, but mostly congratulations to Rachel on this one. And on that toilet roll bed bombshell, we're gonna call this a day. Thank you so much for listening, as ever. All that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Sam Ty. Cheers, mate. Congratulations on your eco-warrior status. Thank you to Dean Jones. Cheers, man. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for joining us this week. As ever, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you do fancy more from Ranks FC, the link to join us for two extra episodes a week is in the description. We would love to have you as part of our Ultras community. If not, we will see you next week, gang. Take it easy. Peace.